mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3 as we continue to go through this little letter, this baby John letter to the little born-again ones. Now, if you'll remember, because we've been out of it for a few weeks doing the Christmas message, that John, who was a disciple of Jesus, he opens this book talking about that which we have, or was from the beginning, which we have heard, so they, they listen, they heard, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, which we have seen, so when you hear his voice and you turn and you look, you see him, and then when you see him, what well, that which we have touched or looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the living word of life. So he wants us to understand that it's not just hearing but it's, there's action in your faith. Faith without works is dead faith. So you, you come to God, you hear his word, you hear his voice. And he says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So there's some action that goes on after hearing his voice. It's not enough to just be hearers. You must be doers or you're deceiving yourself. But what are we doing? Are we doing what the the, the teaching of today tells us to do? Are we just going out and doing what culturanity is doing? Now listen to me, because I'm not stepping on God's bride's toes, but I will step on the systems that, that are in the church that have nothing to do with real church. They have nothing to do with the church. You don't see them in the pages of Scripture. What you see them is in men's hearts, where they begin to create their own little kingdoms, their own little denominations, their own little bodies, their own little ideas of what legalism and church looks like. The same thing that happened to the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel missed their Messiah. The devil has no new tools. He wants us to miss our Messiah. He wants us to miss our calling, to miss what he's trying to do in a love relationship with us. So we add rules and we add dress codes and we add all kinds of things like, like clubs and, and, and programs instead of just a love relationship with a God who died to atone for our sin. What are you adding to your life? What do you have in your mind that needs to be renewed that you think makes you saved? Because you can't be saved by anything but believing. Trusting that God gave a Savior. Trusting that God gave the greatest gift ever given. Trusting that that gift was perfect and He paid fully for your sins. And then He did what? He asked the Father to send back a helper so that you could walk this life out. You would have a teacher. That's what John talks about here in chapter 2. He says you have an unction. You have an anointing of your own. You don't need anybody to teach you. 
And that's not to get rid of the gift of teaching. Because the gift of teaching is necessary. But if somebody's teaching and it's not from the Holy Spirit, then you shouldn't receive it. And so if you have the Spirit working in you, and you are following the unction of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit, and you are a true child of God, you will hear truth, you will grab it, and you will go and do it. But you'll ask God to give you strength and ability to do it. You won't go out and keep living in this world because... This world is underneath the sway of the wicked one. We're going to get to that. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway, is marching to the beat of, is following after wickedness. So we don't want to follow the world, the system or systems that are diametrically opposed to God. We don't want to be following that. We want to be following the Holy Spirit, hearing His voice, being led by Him. In the way with him. So the unction, the anointing. So you know all things. All things are, 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 are possible for you to know if God needs you to know them. He's, if you hide his word in your heart, then the Holy Spirit can dig it out like a deep well. He can reach in there and pull that word out and use it to protect you. Use it for the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God when the enemy comes attacking. You don't have to rise up in fear and follow the masses and follow the world and go, okay, we're going to go do everything the world is doing. See, that's what they're doing with their global government. And God is allowing it. Make no mistake, God is sovereign. He allows it to happen. He's testing your heart and my heart. And if we follow what they say, then we failed the test. That doesn't mean that our salvation is over. It means that now we need to go back to school. We need to go back to the Word of God. What happens in school? Think about it. It's really simple. Indoctrination stations, I call them. But listen, what do they do? They teach you all week a subject. They teach you about something. And then at the end of the week, they have a test. That's all God's doing right now. He's equipping you. He's teaching you something. And then he's going to test you to see if you actually heard him. And you're going to apply it by faith. Because it's not by sight. So in our last time in this book, we finished with 2, 28 and 29. I'd like to open with that and look at it. It says, uh, 1 John 2, 28, and now little children, little born again ones. That's what that means. It's a real enduring term. Think about it. If you're, if you're a child of God, listen to me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now little children... Abide in Him. Abide in Christ. You know, he says in John 8, 32, 31 and 32, to the disciples who believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Very important scripture to commit to memory. Little born-again ones, abide in him, live with him, stay with him. How do you abide in Christ? Anybody know? You abide in Christ by getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, by confessing your sin. You're abiding because, see, you're separated when you sin, not separated eternally, but in relationship. The Holy Spirit now is saying, I love you, but you need to confess that. I love you, but you need to stop that. And so it separates your relationship. It doesn't change God one iota when you agree with him and go, okay, I confess. I agree that that was wrong. I agree that that's not the direction that you want me to go in. I agree that that's not the way I should speak to my spouse. I agree, which is confess. 
It means to agree with God and say the same thing that he says about your life, about your sin, about your anointing, about what he's called you to do. So if you abide, now how does he abide in you? By that same power of the Holy Spirit that he sent. He's abiding in you, washing and cleansing you through the water of the, or through the washing of the water with the word of God, the truth of God. Why should we abide in him? That when he appears, his second manifestation, his second advent. See, we've been celebrating. We just celebrated the remembrance of the birth of Christ, his first coming. But aren't you so tired of celebrating that? I don't, I don't mean that in like some bad way. But I am tired of celebrating the first coming of Jesus. He's not a baby anymore. And he's coming back as a risen Savior, riding a white horse, a conquering king. He's coming back to take the chosen home. I want to go home. I want to go to heaven. I want to be there for eternity. But until we go, if we haven't gone yet, I'm going to keep trying to kick Satan in the face by teaching the word of God, by speaking truth into darkness, by shining light. That's what we should be doing. Listen to me. He's going to appear just as he came the first time. He's coming again. And when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. Confidence means all outspokenness. Confidence means that you have been out living this life and you have confidence. We have no confidence in our own flesh, in ourself. The only confidence you can have is in the finished works of Jesus Christ. But you can know that you've been in the word of God. You can know that you've been hooking up in prayer. Listen, if you're not hooking up in prayer, there is a serious problem in your Christian walk. It's your oxygen line to heaven. Jesus didn't say, my house should be a house of the word. Jesus didn't say, my house should be a house of having fun and fellowship. He said, my house should be a house of prayer to all nations. Prayer is a dependency, an utter dependency upon God where you come to him and cast all your cares upon him and you trust that he's going to change you into his image. Which is what? That's deliverance from the sin nature. That's what he started in the garden. If you're reading with us through the Bible this year, we just started that. It's so amazing to begin every year reading the Bible. And you go, oh, we're back to the beginning. We're back to the, to the creation. And what did he do? He created man in his image. And the devil tried to interrupt that. And God is still doing what he's always done. He's never stopped doing that. And in the garden, he created us all in a trichotomy. Spirit, soul, and body. That spirit was first. It was always having fellowship daily, walking with God. And in fact, he didn't just create us in his likeness, but he allowed Adam to begin doing what he was doing. Remember, he created and then he named it. He created and then he named it. And he said, this is the evening and the morning is the first day. The evening and the morning was second day. But then what did he do? When he, on the sixth day when he created Adam, he said, dude, here, look at this thing. What's this? And he started letting him name what he created. He started letting him be the creative person and become like him. So he was training his heart and mind to do what he did. That's why it's so important to hear his voice and then follow him. Well, who is he? I'm searching for him in the scriptures every day looking for Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus? 
Listen to me, because if you find the Father, if you find His heart, if you find who He is, then you know how you should be. And then there's a perfect evidence that you're abiding in Him. Because you begin to become like Him. Not equal to Him, but in His likeness. We're not becoming God's. We're becoming in His likeness, a trichotomy, spirit, soul, and body. But the devil crept in and flipped it upside downward. And we start looking at our body first. It feels good, do it. Then the soul, the mind, will, and emotions is second. And it gets all messed up. And we start thinking things that we shouldn't be thinking. And our spirit is starving to death. And in Jesus, we can be flipped right side up again. When you believe in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, at one minute, atonement is at one minute. And now you can flip back up and begin to feed your spirit. Your spirit has to come first. And then you go, oh, wait a minute, my mind, will, and emotions, my feelings are like this. And I just like, oh, so let's get them in line. Let's renew our mind and say, wait a minute, I might feel that way, but God's truth says this. So I want to follow God's truth by the Spirit of God and not follow my emotions, not follow what I think my soul says. And then my flesh, I'm going to put in the grave. It's dead. It's been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm a living sacrifice. Once again, Romans 12. What happens with a living sacrifice? It keeps getting up. If you're alive, you can get up. You have a free will choice. You keep running back to the world. You keep running back over there. He doesn't get mad. He's not disappointed. He already knew what you were going to do. He's just working it out with you. He's trying to get you to come and see that, to taste and see that he is good and the only place to be. But he wants, when he appears, he doesn't want us to be ashamed. He doesn't want us to go, ooh, and shrink back when he comes and go, uh-oh, here comes my father. He's coming home. Anybody use that? Any of you wives use that? Dad's going to be home soon. And the kid runs to the bedroom and crawls underneath the bed and hides in the corner. He's ashamed at what he did earlier in the day when he hit his sister, when he did whatever he did. We don't want to be ashamed before him, standing before him. All of us must approach the judgment seat of God. Unbelievers, they'll go to the white throne. You don't want to see that. Believers will come to the Bema seat judgment where we receive rewards. If you know, verse 29, 229, if you know, if you know, let me see this. I think that's Edo, E-I-D-O in the Greek. Got to find it. No, the other one was, this one's Gnosko. Gnosko, this is something you grow in knowing. You're learning to know. You're coming to know. You have a relationship with him. If you know that he is righteous, Everybody know that? Anybody want to testify that Jesus is righteous? I mean, he gave us his perfect righteousness. But you know what righteousness is? Here it is in layman's term. Right living before God. It's doing always what was right. He always did what pleased the Father. Remember at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
if you know, if you're coming to know, if you're learning, if you're becoming mature in the Word of God, that He is righteous, you know that everyone, anyone, whomsoever practices righteousness is born of Him. Now listen, the word practice there in the King James is doeth. King James, doeth, D-O-E-T-H. Right back to James. You can hear it all you want. I hear the word of God. I hear what I'm supposed to be doing. I hear that Jesus is righteous. I hear that he's good. But nothing inside me desires to be like him. See, this is perfect evidence. When a child wants to be like his father, it proves that perfect love of the father. It proves that you're coming to know. You're learning. And see, it takes a long time in life. I don't know about you guys if you're parents, but it takes a long time. Your kids think you're stupid when they're young. First, they think you're an ogre and you're always beating them and you're hitting them and you're yelling, don't hit, but you're hitting them for hitting so they don't understand it. And then they move into that age where like, I'm going to sneak. And then they move into that age where they don't know nothing and I know everything. But there comes a day when they know, wait a minute, I should have been listening. My parents got so smart over the last 10 years. They have actually, I'm going to call dad. See, when are we going to start calling on God? When are we going to start coming to the father? You can only come in Jesus' name. Listen, you can't be part of the family unless the kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, unless you believe first that he is the atoning sacrifice. You must be reborn, born again. Why? Because you're upside down. You're living according to flesh. Flesh is being taken care of. Your spirit's dead. You were born dead. Everybody's born dead with a sin nature. And then you come to life when you come and you believe in God's uh, uh, propitiation or payment. His atoning blood for your sin nature. And then he gives you a new nature. And, and you become a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new in Christ. You're no longer who you were. But you know what we do? We keep living just like we were. Well, not all of us. Some Christians in Texas do. Not you guys. I'm not talking about us. People in Texas, you know what they do when they say a prayer? See, the, the big lie we've said in the church is just come and say a prayer and you'll be fine. Really? How'd that work? How'd that work for you? Felt real good till you walked out the church doors and you went, wait a minute, I'm a big sinner. I felt good in there. I mean, I, when I first got saved, I tried to live in the church. I tried to live in my pastor's house because I felt good when I was there. But when I would walk away, I'd be like, I'm a sinner. Because I didn't understand the true identity of what Christ was moving me to, the renewing of my mind, where I learned that I'm always going to be carrying this body of flesh around, and I can always choose with free will to get up from the altar and go do what I want to do, or I can always choose to remain and abide in his house. I don't have to be in my pastor's house. I can be in God's house. I can understand that I'm a child of God. And that now I'm in his house and he loves me. And I have an anointing and he's always with me. And I don't need anybody else to teach me. I can go out there and him and me together, we're going to take over. Seriously, you're a, you're a majority. Not a minority. When you have God with you, He rules it all. He owns it all. He's given it all to you. And He wants you to be His child. But the devil, here He comes, runs some interference. You're a sinner. No child of God would have said that, done that, been like that. Listen, you know that everyone, whomsoever practices righteousness, is born of God. 
What are you practicing? Listen, this is not perfection, but it's being perfected. What are you doing in life? Is your heart turned toward home? Are you now ready to do the things that God says? Well, how can I do that? In his spirit, by his power, according to, he's going to give you everything that he calls you to do. Listen to me. He's going to give you power to do. He doesn't say you're a new creation and you need to renew your mind and you need to go out and teach others and tell them about the gospel and then go, I can't wait for him to fail. No, he's a good father. He's waiting to bask his gifts upon you, his love upon you, his power upon you so that you can tell other people. And in fact, it's so amazing. He goes before you. This is good. He goes before you. And his spirit is convicting somebody else of sin and righteousness and judgment. And you show up and you go, you don't want to receive Jesus, do you? And they go, yes, I do. Please tell me. See, you have no confidence in it. You show up and you're like, I would tell you something, but I really don't think you want to hear it. And they go, I do want to hear it. Please, I, ha I need hope. I'm dying here. Please tell me. And they have to drag it out of you. Or you can go up and you can already know that God went before you. He prepared their heart. The ground is already fertile. And all you have to do is herald the message. All you have to do is share the gospel. And they're ready to receive it. The world needs hope. There's a lot of people out there pretending, I got it going on. I'm driving this car. I'm not going to tell you about the payment I have on it. But I'm driving this car and I got it going on. I'm not going to tell you about the bondage of slavery where I'm working this job so I can pay for that car. But I got it going on. Listen to me. They're all in bondage. And if we're not careful, you and I will be in bondage. And we'll go, I'm serving the Lord. Child of the King. Overcomer. Why are you in bondage then? Like he said to Saul, why is them sheep bleeding behind you if you killed everything? If you're dead to self. If you're denying self. If you're living for God. What's all this bondage that's on around you? Listen, here's there's hope. There's hope. Let's pray. Father, we want to hear about your hope. We want to hope in you. We don't want to hope in self. We, want to, we don't want to hope in the American dream and some earthly demonic government that offers free money. Lord, Lord, we know we're your children. And we want to place our hope in you and you alone. So open our eyes, open our hearts to receive with meekness the implanted word for the saving of the soul, Lord, that we would not walk around in culturanity in bondage, but that we would be set free. For freedom's sake, set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 3, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Listen, have you guys ever considered this love? It's not a love where you have to perform. It's a love where you just believe. You just trust God. And in fact, you can't even know about this love unless God Himself come knocking on your door. See, because there's nothing in us that would desire to know God. There's nothing in us that would draw near to God. There's nothing in us that would want to be saved because we think we're okay. And the Spirit of God is in the world convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. Telling the truth. 
See, that's why I get so mad when people say, well, the church shouldn't just speak up and tell the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing, and I'm being led by the Holy Spirit to tell the truth to a dying world. What's the devil want you to do? Shut up. Don't tell anybody about truth. Don't tell anybody about light. Don't turn on the light in their life. Let them go to hell. Listen, speak truth in love, but don't shut up. No matter what the world says. Listen, this love, we don't understand. He convicts us and we say, who is your son? See, because nobody comes to the Father unless they come through the Son, Jesus. And no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws them. But he's the one, think about this for me. He sent his son, right, as a gift, the greatest gift ever given. But then what happened? Jesus, when he died, he said, I'm going to go away. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'll send you another, the spirit of truth that will lead you in all things. The world doesn't know him, but you know him because he will be with you, coming alongside, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he will be in you when you believe. And then Acts 1.8 says he can be upon you. He can give you power to walk this out in love. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnesses is the Greek word martis. It's one who dies for their faith. You don't have the power of God and the love of God and the work of God or the will of God or the ability to go out and do what God has called you to do unless you are a living sacrifice, unless you die to yourself, unless you get this in your mind that you can't keep living in the world and live for God. You can only do one or the other. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. And the whole point is not to be imperfect but perfected. Turn your hearts toward home. That's my home. He's coming to get me. He's going to take me home. And it takes small baby steps, just like a father who has a little child. We have one here on on New Year's uh, Eve when we was having our little get-together of fellowship to keep people from running to all the haunts and the bars and everything. We just said, come and hang out at the church, and we'll play some games, and we'll worship in the new year. We took communion. It was a sweet time. I'd encourage you, come out with us when we do this. First thing we did for the year was take communion to remind ourselves we was in co-union with God. That we are one together with God. And we celebrated that, our marriage vows with him. And we had this little month-old baby here. I thought, oh my goodness. Can you imagine if a father just threw that baby in the floor and said, walk! At a month old. Think about that. We have a loving father. And he created, he recreated the entire, entire spiritual life with him in heaven in a physical life. And he gave us a chance to follow his creation and name our kids. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 about to back up. First, go and go and go and 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 repopulate the earth. Go populate the earth. First, he gave us the ability to create a child. Boy, that's scary. A little chip off the old block. And then he said, now name him. And some some I'm sorry, I'm not being mean to parents. Some of you are terrible at that. And so uh yeah, I mean, think about your kid when he gets up and he goes to school or he goes to the club or wherever he's at, and, and, and they and go, well, who named you that? Well, my nickname is Bob, okay? I got a real nickname, Bob. Anyway, I'm picking on parents. I like to pick on parents. Because we have to think about our actions. Is that what God would have done? 
Think about this is what this is all about. He's teaching us how to be like the Father. He's teaching us how to be like Him. He sent His heart down here incarnate. The heart of the Father. He did the impossible. You can't see the invisible God. And then he made it possible. He put him right here on the planet. And these boys walked with him. They touched him. They held him. They talked with him. And God wants you and I to do that daily. And then he gives us an opportunity in a family. That's why a family's under attack. He gives us an opportunity in marriage. That's why marriage is under attack. To be a witness of Christ in the church. And so we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. The same way that he did. And then we're supposed to take care of our children and train them in the way that they're supposed to go. The same way that he is right now equipping us and training us and telling us to have our minds renewed. Well, how does he do it? Sometimes, you know what renewal of the mind does? He has to spank you to get your mind to be renewed. And when your kid is disobeying, when you're being disobedient, sometimes God reaches down and chastises those he loves. And you have to get them back in line, back on the path, because they cease listening to instruction and they go astray. He gives us a perfect example of how to do all of this. And what do we do? We listen to a world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one who's taking him out of everything, and we follow them, and we think it's funner over here. Well, it might be for a season, but it's going to end bad. It's going to end bad in your family. It's going to end bad in your marriage. It's going to end bad in your neighborhood. It's going to always end bad. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed. That word means given. Bestowed is to give freely on us. That's a body. I love it when you see this because when you see us or we are, you know who we are together. He bestowed this love on the whole world, us He's given us all an opportunity to free, with our free will, choose Him. That's your identity. This is the love that's been bestowed, given to us, that we should be called. Now, this is not the same word for your calling. Okay? This is called. This is named. This is that we've named children of God. We are named children of God. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's uh, God's child over there. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? If our actions were so that they would say, man, he lives for Jesus. Man, he's God's, his father's, think about that. Oh, boy. I sat in front of a judge once and, and was getting another um, guy out of jail and taking him to a program down in uh, uh, Kentucky. And the judge opened up this whole book about this thick of all of his family and what they had done in crime. Headlines, 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 headlines. Here's your father. You don't want to end up like him, do you? And he kept opening the book, and I'm like, man, that is crazy that this judge has got all the headlines of his family right here in a book in his chambers. See, we want to be in this book. This is our Father. If we truly believe in Jesus, if we are truly covered in the blood, if we, tr- we want to understand what this is saying, his testimony of what he's done, what he's doing, what he's getting ready to do, we want that to be our testimony. Because we don't overcome with our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony. And we do not love our life to the death. That means deny self. Remember last week we talked about that. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose your life. But if you try to lose your life, you'll find your life hidden in Christ. Give it away to somebody else. Worst thing we can do is keep looking at self. 
Because the more you look at self, that's where depression comes from. That's where anxiety comes from. I'm trusting in myself. Well, I'd be anxious too if I was trusting in myself. I'd be a little bit depressed too if I was trusting in myself because I know where I ended up in prison for trusting in self. It was only by God's grace that I ended up, didn't end up dead. And now we can have life and that more abundantly because of who he is. What love? Have you ever sat down and go, wait a minute, this is amazing love. This is, this is a love that I can't even tell people about. I'm not even good at expressing it when I, when I teach about it or when I walk it out or when I go somewhere. And the older I get in the Lord, the more I understand that I don't deserve it, grace. The more I understand that, man, I sure messed it up when I first had it. When I first was given it, I sure blew it because I ran out and did things that I shouldn't have been doing. And you know what? God erases all of that. When you get to heaven, we're going to be just like him. Not in power or equality, but in likeness. We're going to be spirit, new bodies. So it's not the fleshly body. It's going to be a new body. And everything that you do is going to be wanting to pr promote his kingdom and rule over things with him. There's an amazing future ahead of those who will follow in their father's footsteps. How many of you are dads and you're like, man, I wish my son would just do what I do. I want my son, I want to train my son to go do what I do. Well, they used to do that in biblical days. The men would go out with the guys and the women would stay home with the wives. And everybody was getting trained according to where they were supposed to go. But we think that our new system of let's educate them somewhere else and let's tell them what to do somewhere else in a godless way, and we think that's going to work out. No, it's against God. It's against his kingdom. It's against his design. It's against his creation. It's against his spoken word. And then we go, what happened to little Johnny? I was so sad. A young man that I've known since he was in diapers killed himself in jail the other day hung himself. I've seen people hang themselves in jail. It is sad that you have no hope, but there's hope in Jesus. I don't care where you're at, whether you're in prison or whether you're behind enemy lines somewhere in Russia. I don't care where it's at. There's always hope when you have Jesus. It doesn't matter how far you go. That love can reach you. Don't give up because hope is coming. That's what keeps us going every day. That's why I get out of bed every day is because hope is coming and he's given me a commandment to go and teach others all that he commanded. What gets you out of bed in the morning? See, we need to have our minds renewed. If something else is getting you out of bed in the morning and you're thinking, man, I got to go to this stupid job so I can pay these stupid bills. No, you're going out and being a witness. You're going out and giving testimony. You're working unto the Lord. You're being a trophy of grace. You're not, this is not your world. This is not your home. We got to wake up. We're going out there so they can see that there's something different, that there's hope coming. But where, where do we see that at? Where's it at? Where's it at in our society? That's why I call it culturanity. Culturanity, because we have men behind the pulpit teaching what some other man said. We have men behind the pulpit teaching. They might download their sermon on Friday night from the internet. They're not teaching out of a relationship. They're not teaching what's real. They're not teaching the way where Jesus come down. So he wants you to go out there and humble yourself and tell people about him. 
Not talk about you, not talk about what you're doing, not talk about what somebody else is doing, not promote Harvest Chapel. Don't go out and promote Harvest Chapel, please. Lift Jesus up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's what we want. Jesus lifted up. He's how we overcome. He's our hope. He's the one coming back. He's the, the Father gave him to us. What manner of love is this that, I mean, and I'm not talking about you guys, but think about it. If you believe right now that you're a born-again Christian, think about this love that he gave us. I don't know what you guys have done. You might not want to know what I have done, but God forgave me of all of it, and he forgives you. That's some crazy love. Not to plug any book because he's a heretic. So, um, A lot of heretics out there. See, the popular ones, you need to be very careful if somebody is popular in the world. Because the world doesn't eat the sway of the wicked one. And they only lift up their own. I don't care what they're wearing and what they're talking about and what they're saying. The Spirit of God tells us to humble ourselves. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Jesus was killed. The world hates the kingdom of God. The world doesn't want to see righteousness and light. And there has to be some type of compromise if they allow them for very long to speak out loud. It's that simple. That's why I like little church. We can hide in Williamsport, Indiana. And still do the will of God. Because it's not about numbers. It's not about where you're at. It's about where you're going. It's not about dropping names. It's about the name above all names. Jesus Christ. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. See, it's His love that should motivate us. It's love that this God who is perfect, pure, holy, set apart has no reason to come down, and he comes down and dies for us. He laid down his life for us to redeem us. That's some crazy love, I'm telling you. It makes no sense. And that's why we should love one another also, because that's being Christ-like. We get to be like Christ. Therefore, the world does not know us they don't care nothing about us. They'll use us. Oh, yeah, they'll use us. They'll pretend like they know God in order to get your vote, in order to get you on board with them. They'll pretend like it. But I'm telling you right now, if they're of the world, they do not know us because the only way to know us and our Father and our God is through the Spirit. You can't know it any other way. You can't, you can't, having a head knowledge of God does not save you. And there's a lot of people that says, I know Jesus Christ, but there's no evidence of that knowledge. There's no evidence, gnoskos, of growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there has to be evidence because we're supposed to be the proof. The renewing of the mind so you may do what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
You become the living testimony, the exhibit A. Here's exhibit A of a life that's changed because of the blood of Jesus. Here's exhibit B of somebody who's going in a different direction, has changed their mind, and they're no longer doing what they were doing. Nope, not perfected, but being perfected. Exhibit C, that's supposed to be the church. Trophies of grace where people say, I don't know, maybe too many drugs, but that person's different. They don't have to know God, the Father, to see that. And listen, they killed him, they'll kill us. They hated him, they'll hate us. And you might think, and you might, well, what's all this got to do with it? Because everything that's going on right now globally, worldwide, is all an attack on the church. When the smoke clears, when all the falseness goes away, when everything moves out of the way, and you can see clearly, you'll see that it's an attack on truth. You'll see that it's an attack on the church. It's an attack on Christianity because it's, it's the one world government from Babylon trying to set itself up. And God is allowing it to happen this time. They've tried it throughout all of, all of the history of mankind. But God always shuts it down. He shuts it down. He shuts it down until his fullness of time. And now he's allowing it to happen. And that's why it's worldwide. That's why it's strong delusion. That's why it's a complete lie. And they don't know us because we're looking at them going, are you crazy? You really believe that? Uh-huh. Think about it. Listen to me. You're going to find that it's a complete attack on the church. And that's why it's so important in this day and age that you understand if we see, not, not, well, first, let's, let's start back at the beginning. If we hear that he is righteous, what's the Holy Spirit convicting of? Sin and righteousness and judgment. There's going to be judgment on sin, so you need to be righteous, and you can't be righteous unless you hear that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Then you can be saved. So now I can be righteous. So now if I believe that he's righteous, then I need to be doing the same thing he was doing. I can't do it in my flesh. I have no ability to be righteous. So he gives it to me positionally when I believe. And then he tells me to renew my mind practically. So if I'm going to be doing it, I have to do it in a practical sense. Because he's sanctifying me, spirit, soul, and body, not just my spirit. See, a lot of people say, well, I said a prayer, I'm okay. That's the starting line if you want to say a prayer, but you can't find it in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible anywhere. It says if you believe in your heart. And saying it at an altar up here. Doesn't prove to me you know it in your heart. What proves to me that you believe it in your heart is the evidence that you go and you turn and you're moving in the other direction and you're desiring to be like the Father. You're concerned about your gifts and talents and abilities. You're concerned about souls because it's the only ministry the church has is the ministry of reconciliation of souls because that's all that Jesus is doing. He poured out his life's blood so that souls could be saved. That's the evidence of a changed life is when you're concerned about somebody else's soul, even when you might be embarrassed because that's nothing but pride. Even when you might fear persecution because that's nothing but fear. That's a, that's a fruit of sin. What's the first thing Adam and Eve did? They hid. They were afraid because perfect love cast out all fear. 
So when you're growing and you're going and you're doing and you're concerned about God's kingdom, his perfect love is going to cast out fear. Now, I can preach about it. I wish I could live it. I mean, so that's, that's where the rub meets the road. All of us have to live it. Three, two. Well, the world doesn't know him, and the world won't know him because the world is earning to sway of the wicked one. It's the cosmos. It's the systems or system that's diametrically opposed to God. And without spiritual eyes, you're never going to know that that system you're following is against God. Isn't that what Antichrist is? Instead of against God? So there's a whole system out there, even in the church, that's against God, but it looks like it. It has a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. The power is the spirit, of course, the power that rose Christ from the dead, the power to renew your mind, the power that's going to lead your life, the power and the unction that's teaching you, the only power you can have when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you die to self and begin to do God's desires and not your own. Now listen, I'm not telling you, you got to just be a monk and stop everything. That's not the point. But what's the intent when you go out to work? What's the intent when you go to the gas station? What, what, who are you living for? The Word of God tells you the thoughts and intents of your heart. What are you living for? Are you really back in the Father's house? Because that's what salvation is, is deliverance back into the Father's house. Deliverance back into the presence of God. Deliverance back into the favor of God. Adam and Eve, they stopped agreeing. They stopped following God's rules or God's laws and they chose death and they give it to you and I as an inheritance but the second Adam he gives us a choice the second Adam says if you'll believe in me I'll give you my righteousness you can be adopted back into the family and you can begin to live like I live walk like I walk verse 2 6 look at 2 6 2 6 of first John says is it 2 6 or did I quote that wrong he who saves, or excuse me, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Anytime you talk about walking, you're talking about how you living. How am I living? How are you living? Good question to ask ourselves because if it's not for God, following God, then we have to say we're going astray because we're not listening to instructions. And we want to get back in the path. We want to get back in the right way. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And what does he do? He makes your path straight. Straight path, straight for the throne room where Christ is sitting at. Beloved, now we are children of God. This is 3-2. That's pretty cool to be a child of God. You ever thought about that for a long time? The creator of the heaven and earth adopted you into his family. He had one son, and he sent him down to die. He bestowed his love upon us where he would die so that we could become known as children of God. That's amazing to me. I, I, it just blows me away. Who does that? You see, it, it might blow you away, but the world doesn't know this love. I tried to share that with a guy that said he was a Christian, I almost lost my job for it. 
he was working at another business, and I, was, I said, oh, you're adopted? That is so cool because, see, everybody else, they just had to be born in their family, and now you've been adopted into this family, and these people came in and chose you and pulled you out and took you home, and they started taking care of you with their own volition. I said, and that's just like the gospel, and I started sharing the gospel with him. Now, he told me he was a Christian. You know what he did? He went and told his human resource agent, and they called our business and said, hey, hey, we don't know if we want Greg in this business anymore because he's over here preaching the gospel to somebody. And they looked at me, and I looked at them, and they looked at me, and I looked at them. And uh, they said, you shouldn't do that. And I go, okay. But my mind was saying, should I listen to you or should I listen to God? You decide, Acts chapter 3. Because that's what I'm called to do. But I also know that I don't want to be stupid. So I said, okay, because i got to take care of my family. But I go right on doing what I've always done, and I've only been in trouble for preaching the gospel. And that's really what a Christian should be in trouble for. We should not be rebellious anymore to our bosses. You should not be in trouble for saying no or not doing what they told you to do, as long as it's not illegal. You should continue to do everything they do because he's taken that rebellious nature out of us. We're living for him. We're out there as witnesses for him. And what kind of a witness for him is rebelling against authority? Because you're training your heart not to listen to authority. And that's what this is all about. The devil snuck into the garden and he told Eve that they, there's another authority. You can listen to another authority. You can actually believe something else. You can do something else. You don't have to believe what he's saying. He's holding out on you. but we're children now, not, not tomorrow. Listen, salvation is not tomorrow. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven, then I'll be perfect. That salvation is not tomorrow, it's today. It's now we are children of God. Today. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Really? Oh, I thought I was going to be one of the 12 judges sitting on the thrones ruling it. I thought I was going to be one of the, I thought, really? You really thought that? What do you think about yourself? See, we think way too high of ourselves. I thought I was going to be the next. Uh, we don't even know. It's not been revealed. It's not been manifested. We have no idea what the likeness of God is unless we look in the face of Jesus. That's what you're going to be. But we know that when he is revealed, who? When he is manifested, when Christ comes again, we shall be like in his likeness. Isn't that what God started? Let us make man in our likeness, in our image. For we shall see him as he is. Now again, let me take you back to see. It's understand. It's perceive. You're going to begin to look at and see. So when you're reading the scriptures, what are you looking for? If you want your mind renewed, if you want to, to know who Jesus truly is, don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen or don't read the next number one bestseller. Listen to me. Look in the scriptures and see who Jesus is. See who God is. And when you see it, grab a hold of it and ask him to make you like it. Ask him to renew your mind and teach you to be a humble servant that would give up everything and lay down his life. Do you know who he is? And everyone who has this hope, there it is, this hope, in him, in Christ, 
See, where your hope's supposed to be in Christ. We're in the world, but our hope is in Christ. He's the one coming back. You would have lost hope if it were not been for him coming back. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. If you do not lose heart, if you do not lose hope, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, we are believing that truth. The world can't believe it. They don't have the Spirit of God in them to believe and to have hope that God is coming back to take us home. Faith hopes. Faith is waiting. Faith is trusting God, and faith will be the evidence that God is living in them. Some people, you know, they just say, oh, I said a prayer, so I'm a Christian. Listen to me. When you see the character of Christ beginning to build in somebody, what's it look like, Greg? Well, it looks like love. Behold what love the Father has given us. What's that look like, Greg? Galatians 5.22. It looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. It's the fruit of the Spirit. What spirit? The Spirit of truth. Everyone who has this hope in him. What's he do, Greg? Everyone who has hope in Christ. Are you hoping in Christ today or are you hoping in your vacation? Are you hoping in Christ or are you hoping in your paycheck? Are you hoping in Christ? Are you hoping, listen, here's it. Are you hoping in the government? Oh, I know they're going to get this stuff together. They'll finally get this together if we get the right party in there. Are you hoping in the government? Are you serious? Think about it for a minute because many Christians have been shipwrecked in the last four or five years total shipwreck they and what they should see is in their heart they must have been tied off to the wrong dock the anchor of their soul was not jesus if they let politics shipwreck them if they let earthly government shipwreck them and they spend all their energies fighting about what earthly demonic sensual governments are doing they're not they're not serving jesus now i'm not telling you not to vote i'm not telling you not to choose but but that's not that is not Anything to do with the kingdom of God. It has to do with this world. And this world hates God. So be very careful what you give your heart to. Because we're supposed to be giving our heart to God. I know there's people that don't vote. But if you want to vote, vote. But don't get caught up in it. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're supposed to be eagerly awaiting the return of our king. But if we do hope in him, if we hope in Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, he tells us right here, purifies himself. Well, why would we do that? Just as he is pure. Well, I can't purify myself. Exactly. So you get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. And you allow the spirit of God to renew your mind, to change your mind, to wash you and cleanse you. Well, how, well how's that going to work? Well, when you hear instruction of the Word of God and you obey it, what's it doing? It's taking the impurities out. It's taking the rebellion out. It's taking the sin nature out. You're training your heart again. That's why you come to Him as little children, once again dependent upon Him, forgetting that you know how to walk, learn to walk again, forgetting you know how to think, learn to think again, forgetting you have a, a, a way of processing things and begin 
begin the process again with the mind of Christ. Because that's the mind that's supposed to be in us. The mind of Christ. The world thinks totally different. The devil thinks totally different. In fact, the devil cannot create anything but confusion. He's not going to give you anything but death. And you already had that. So he ain't given nothing. He's just giving you a lie. But God can give you a hope and a future. God can renew you. God can, can make you children in his house again. So purifying ourselves, and the Bible is our HEPA filter, if you will. It's what we filter everything. In fact, when, when we're gone, there's not going to be anything restraining or straining the world from being as evil as it's supposed to be. And that's how you purify something. You strain it through something. So when you're living life, you strain it through what the Word of God says. Well, what, how do I know it's true? I look for Jesus and what He did because He followed what was true. And He told them about the stuff that they were doing that wasn't from the Father. He pointed it out. He said, you're whitewashed fences. You're not purifying your heart. You've created your own religious system. You're not trying to be right with me. You're trying to be right with each other. You're not trying to lift me up. You're trying to lift up each other by putting PhDs beside your name, which means permanent head damage, by the way, because you might end up with permanent head damage and never be able to hear the word of God if you believe what man says about you. All they're trying to do is flatter you so they can use you for their own Wicked kingdom. Now, we're going to close with this. That's the only three verses I wanted to do other than Luke 15, because I want you to see this. Luke 15, 11, uh, the first of my 14 closings. You guys know this. You guys know this text. You've seen this testimony. But you probably look at it like it's the testimony of one man, and it's the testimony of two men. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. Notice that, two sons. So it's a testimony of two people. We always focus on the one, and we don't look at how the actions were of the second one very often. And the younger of them, the immature one, the one who was the new convert to the father's house, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I want my inheritance. I'm a Christian too. I don't have to listen to anybody else. I don't have to do anything. I'm already a Christian. I said a prayer. Give me my inheritance. I know I got an inheritance. Give me my goods that fall to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Now listen to me. The father didn't have to listen, but the father's never going to force his will upon anybody. The word livelihood there, you know what it is? It's the word life. Look it up in the Greek. It's the word life. He gave them his life. Isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what God did? He had two sons. And he came down and he died and he gave his life. He said, here it is. Now you do what you want with it. He's not going to force it upon you. Same thing with the church. He's not forcing anything upon you, but he lays out clear instructions like breadcrumbs, the bread of life. All you have to do is follow the bread of life. And right there is the trail that leads straight to heaven. But we want to follow man. We want to be right with men. I want to be pleasing to men. It's supposed to be with God and then men. And if men are pleased with what you're doing with God, then okay. But if not, stay right with God. I think that's Proverbs uh, 3, 7. 
paraphrase. The younger one, verse 13, and not many days after he got that life, not many days after the father gave him that life, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted, squandered his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal means wasteful, riotous. It actually is translated unsaveness. That's why I'm taking you here, because he had been given a life. And he lived it in unsavedness. Now you can take this and you can say, this is how people are when they're born. They're dead. Or you can take this and you can say, this is how people are when they come to the Father and, he, and they know that He's given a life to them. They know that He's laid down His life. They know that they've been given an inheritance. See, I didn't come out of the womb when I was born in, in water and go, where's my inheritance at? But this kid did. Because he knew that he had something coming. This is an adult kid. This is somebody who can make his own decisions. But when he had spent all, uh, got to the end of myself, there arose a severe famine. You know, today there's a famine for the word of God, and God brought it. God brought it on purpose. You have to have a desire for the word of God. He brings a famine in the land for the word of God. He brings it. He tests hearts. Are you searching for truth? Are you searching for Jesus? Or are you wasting your life on unsavedness, squandering it as a prodigal child? Severe famine. Is one coming now? Physical one coming soon. Are you going to be ready? Will you be able to stand? See, because God, God is always preparing you for tomorrow today. He's equipping you this moment for tomorrow. And we can listen and go through the door and walk away and let the devil steal everything and never do anything. Or we can listen. And we can actually produce by God's power some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Fruit can come out of what you hear today. Or we can remain in prodigal living. Spend it all. There come a famine. And he began to be in want. You know, and, and his soul is dried up. And I think that's going on today. People, they chase everything. They live unsavedness. They, and they go... I, I have to just exit when people start talking about the Word of God and their relationship with God. I, don't, I can't talk to them about the Bible because my heart's been over here in the world. I've been doing everything else. And if you want to talk about football or you want to talk about some great writer or some artist or some, I can talk about that, but I can't talk about my relationship with God to you. So I'm in want here and I'm realizing that I'm not doing what I should be doing to live my life for God because I now belong to Him and He bought me, He purchased me with the blood of His Son. And I belong to Him. So you begin to be in want and you know there's something missing. You know I am not doing this right. I might go to church every week. I might show up to a Bible study, but I'm not doing this the way God supplied it to be done, the way salvation is. I'm wasting this great life that He gave me. And someone has said, you can have a saved soul and a lost life. 
See, that's what the devil wants to get the church to do. Oh, your soul might be saved, but I'm not going to allow you to go out and be a witness and give testimony. I'm going to remove it by giving you some lie to follow. I want you to keep chasing this dangling carrot of the American dream and think that these riches are going to have wings and fly away to heaven. They never make it there. What are you giving your heart to? Verse 15, then he went and joined. You know what that word is? He was glued to, he cleaved to, he married. That's what the word is. He married the world. He went and joined some. He married himself to a citizen of that country. Are you married to this country or are you a citizen of heaven? Are you glued to something down here? I remember the very first sermon I ever heard. Not the very first sermon I ever said in front of. The very first one I ever heard. And, and you, you think, well, it's in Numbers. Numbers? Yeah, that's where God counts. That's where God counts all the people. And he gives everybody a job. And he tells everybody what they're going to be doing. Numbers is an amazing book. When you look at it from heavenly. Down with a heavenly perspective. And the pastor said, don't put your tent pegs in too deep. Because when you drive your tent pegs in real deep and God says to go, you'll be like, that wasn't God's voice. I'd have to pull them tent pegs out. And they're in too deep. This country, instead of a heavenly country, I'm married to the world. I can't pull my tent pegs up. Listen, we're all called to do something. That's what Numbers is all about. And when you get mad, if you're part of a body of Christ and you get mad and you walk off and you don't bring the tent pegs, can't nobody set up. Can't nobody do nothing if you're not doing your part. It becomes a handicapped body of Christ. What are you called to do in the body of Christ? Find a place, sit down, be taught, and be the body. Be the church. Don't worry about what kind of building it is. Just be the church. And quit wasting your life in prodigal living. Don't be married to anyone except for Christ. We've been betrothed to him. And you know, we were betrothed to Christ as a chaste virgin. That's what that word purity meant in 1 John chapter 3. A chaste virgin. He purified us positionally, perfectly. And we're supposed to be adorning ourselves in our wedding garments. And we can only get that from Christ. We're supposed to be joyously anticipating that. You ladies can understand that. Many guys pass out at the altar. Women can understand that. That's her moment. Think about it. That's our moment as the bride of Christ. Everything that Christ did, all the blood he poured out, everything he did, he gets the full value when the church walks down the aisle with him at the banqueting supper of the Lamb. And he presents the church to the Father and says, here's my bride. That's amazing stuff. I'm like getting ready to pop here. I'm getting ready to pop. That's what we're supposed to be looking forward to. That's our hope. This is not the end of it. This is all dress rehearsal. This is nothing compared to what we're going to have when we get to heaven. And yet we're married to the world. We're not having our minds renewed. We're not going out and telling others. I better finish this before you guys. Your butts go numb. I didn't can't think of another way to say it, so I just said it. He married a citizen of that country, 
And that citizen put him in bondage and sent him out into his fields to work with some swine, with some unclean stuff. Instead of going out into the harvest fields that were white for harvest and the laborers being few, he's working for somebody else. He's in bondage with somebody else. 16. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods of the swine. He's, he's gladly eating everything the swine eat, unclean, and no one gave him anything. But, don't you like that when there's a big but there? But, when he came to himself, he came to his senses. Think about it, because this is where it all goes. Listen, people, it's all about self. Either you're going to live for self or you're going to live for God. And if you come to yourself, your senses, you'll say, this ain't right. I'm not living this right. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? My God will supply for all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I perish with hunger. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness for they will be filled. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now notice that's repentance. That's a heart's intent. He hasn't done it yet, but his heart turned. His senses came back. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm making my plans. I have no power to do it, but what I need to do is turn and go the other direction. In my heart, not with my footsteps. I can go to church all day long and never be purified, never be saved, never come back to the Father. But in his heart, he came to his senses. And then he started to put faith to work. And it says, he says in 19, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Humility, repentance with humility. Make me like one of your hired servants. I just want to be in your family because I know you're a good provider. And he arose, put feet on his faith, came to his father. Now, see, you would think with that text that he was all the way there, right? No, none of us are there. We're, we're being perfected. We're not perfect. We, we're headed for home. Our hope is in heavenly places. We're not there yet. But when he was a great way off, that's where we're at. We're a great way off from heaven. And especially in the church today, his father saw him, saw him turn his heart toward home. And he had compassion on him, bowels of mercy. See, because it's mercy we're saved by. I know they tell you all the time, you're saved by grace. You're saved by mercy. Titus 3, 5, and 6. Because of the Lord's mercy you have been saved. Through the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Not by works of righteousness, which you have done. But according to His mercy, He saved us. And then because of mercy, He gave us grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. The love of God was bestowed upon us. Ephesians 2, 9, 10. And by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The father saw that his heart was turned toward him and the father came and had compassion and ran, and you don't run in this culture. He fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh my goodness. The kiss of the father. Have you been kissed by the father? Have you repented? Have you turned? Have you started to put feet to your faith and go toward the Father? Are you looking for Jesus? Is your citizenship is in, in heaven? Are you sick of being married to this stinking world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one? 
Just turn your heart toward home. Just cry out to him. One prayer away from him falling upon your neck and kissing you. And the son said to him, then he followed through with it. He actually did what he said. See, many people will say, I'm going to do, but they never say it when they get there. When they got to the throne room, when he got to the father, he said, Father. See the heart change? Because now he is his father. It was, it, was, it was small letters before, now it's capital. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What happened then, Greg? That was a true statement. He made a very true statement of a heart before God and all of us should make it. But the father said to his servants, didn't even say it to him. He just said behind the scenes he was preparing a big old party, a big old banqueting table ready to celebrate. Bring out the best robe clothed in righteousness. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, royalty. Sandals on his feet. He's going to have a new walk. He's got new shoes. New walk, a new way to run. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Doesn't that remind you of when God killed the first animal in Genesis? Very first blood spilt was to cover the sins of people who said, we were naked and in the garden and we heard you. We were afraid. Let us eat and be merry. That's a time to be married. Down here, you better be careful. For this, my son was dead. Remember, you're born dead and is alive again. Again? He's been alive before? You can figure it out. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So they had the party. But guess what? This is a testimony of two sons. Here's the second son. Now his older son was in the field. He's out doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's already out in the harvest. And he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things mean. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. Got any anger? Got any anger because somebody else is getting something you're not? He was angry and would not go in. I'm not going to celebrate that there's lost sheep being found. Yeah, because you have no heart for lost sheep. And it's the only ministry we have is lost sheep. The only ministry we have is to go get those that are living in unsavedness. Go get those that are prodigals. And yet much of the church just, they're not happy with that. They've got, I mean, but listen, if you're bitter and mad already, you're just going to be bitter and mad all the time till you surrender your heart to God. This is a sad state of the church. This is a sad state of what God's family's looking like uh, with dealing with lost souls. He was angry. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. Listen, the father's always pleading with us. He did it through the spirit in Paul when he said, I urge you, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you, considering the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Because of Christ, it's holy and acceptable. Because you belong to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is what God is pleading to people through the church, through the Spirit right now. 
He's pleading with us to consider, to think long about what it means to have the mercies of God bestowed upon us, the love of God bestowed upon us, to be called children of God, and then to ignore those very ones that he has sent us to call out of darkness into his marvelous light. But their answer was to the Father, These many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed a commandment at any time. And nobody knows whether that testimony is true. And yet you never gave me a young goat. I didn't get none of that. I made it merry with my, I never made merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your life with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's the testimony of God. That none would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's our call as a church. And the only way that people are going to see the evidence is when we abide in him. When we allow the Holy Spirit by getting in the word, prayer, and fellowship, confessing our sins, surrendering to our own, uh, surrendering our own lives. Like, like he says in Luke uh, 9, uh, 26 maybe. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what we're called to do. And nobody can do it perfectly, but as a body of people, we, we put our gifts together, we can all be a perfect representation of Jesus Christ. When people see us loving one another, they will see God's love. And then they can hope in that same love. But when we, all we do is say a prayer and then go back out to the world and work our jobs and, and uh, bite and kick and scratch and try to climb a ladder and and we're still working for ourselves and still trying to get the most toys so we can win instead of living for Jesus. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. Is your heart turned towards being pure? Not outside. You can come dressed any way you want as long as you ain't got nothing showing. See, that's what man's religion is. You've got to dress up and look nice, wear your Sunday best. I don't care if you wear your Sunday best or your Saturday's worst. I don't care if you come in here smelling like vomit. I don't want you to. But I'm more concerned about your heart, the purity of your heart, because it's the heart that matters most. The heart is where we go astray. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow all the issues of life. Is the word of God flowing from you? Is the testimony of Jesus flowing from you? Or is it just the world and the things of this world? Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace upon us. Thank you that you've given us your spirit. You've given us an unction. Thank you that you are helping us daily to grow and to see how Jesus walked. And we pray, Lord, that we would walk just like that. And we would not waste this life that you've given us we would not be deceived by the devil but we would be hearers and doers of the word lord we ask you to renew renew our minds and send us to the masses give us a desire lord to do your work not our work 
for your kingdom, for your glory, for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, and we all say amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I